No. Good Monday morning, everyone. We hope everyone had a fantastic weekend, a happy Easter, Passover. We just hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. But you guys know me, Amy, here with Fern Russell. And our guest today is Nick for Author Talk. And you know, I had you guys a fantastic weekend. So it was eventful last week. I had my husband was sick all week, and then I had to pick up my daughter on Wednesday. Fern knows she had to cover for me on my mastermind. Because, you know, I was in Puke City that day, which was fantastic, I guess. Um, but on top of that, though, it was Easter. And I went to, to church. But the church that I went to did an Easter egg hunt for the kids. But they dropped the Easter egg from a helicopter, which I thought was pretty cool. So my girl got to do that. Sky did not like the helicopter at all. Okay, just no. Meadow was totally into it. Sky was like not having it she was a very unhappy camper but it was just it was an exciting exciting time to kind of see them and then i hid more eggs i bought glitter eggs you guys oh my gosh because you know i'm not allowed to have glitter in my house because glitter gets everywhere so my loophole was i bought glitter eggs and the kids opened them in the house and it was just it was fun for me because i love glitter but it was you know an eventful fun fun weekend so what did you guys do fern what did you do all weekend well, I have recently joined a DNB group. Ooh. So we, we still had our DNB campaign and I almost died. My character almost died like twice. So that was entertaining. Girl. You know, having to come back from that. So it was it was fun. But I mean we're I'm the knight, right? I'm the knight. So obviously I have to be in the forefront of the battle scenes. So okay. you know, I just went right up to the frog dude. I'm so shocked you're a knight. I'm a knight, yeah. In my You couldn't be a dragon? No. It does does your knight get a dragon? Don't usually like don't knights usually like coincide with a dragon or they battle a dragon, I guess. I guess they battle dragons. Um I'm at level three knights, so I can do some magical spells because I'm an elder. Oh. And okay. so I mean I could have picked Dragonborn as part of my element, but but he's a human. You know, okay. he's a human. So um, but yeah, he's I think I think we eventually I eventually could maybe get a little you know battle dragon mm, yeah battle dragon we but I don't know like I know that everybody else in the group has a a pet like one of the guys has a parrot the other one has a little mini uh, fey dragon that's uh, that's a small little dragon but it doesn't free fire or anything that goes with them everywhere and then another gentleman. Um, has a wolf. Ooh. At some point, I might get a pet. I don't know. But, oh, okay. I mean, but Sir Andrew's literally just por portaled into this world, and that's how we brought him. He brought him, we brought him from my universe into their world for the game. So he's like actually one of the characters from my book. Oh, okay, well, that's, that's that's cool. cool. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I don't even know how to play D and D though. I know what it stands for, but I have no idea how to play it. But I know myself, I'm a very impatient person. Like if I start a TV series, I have to finish it. Like I have to watch an episode every night. I can't like not complete that. So I couldn't play that game. Just I think Nick is like that too. What? No, Nick strikes me as being a patient person, able yeah. to go through different campaigns. That's what I was getting. It's like at the end of at the end of Saturday, we we were camping out. Because we haven't gotten to our destination yet, but but we had to fight a whole bunch of little frog people. 
that were oh, really shit. annoying because like I cleaved one in half and it was still able to spear me. What? How does that make sense? I don't even know. That doesn't. That does not make sense. That's because real frogs are like. I've done that to a real frog. Well, no, that's just just mean. The really, the really terrible thing about D and D is that everything is based on your on your dice, right? You 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 roll the dice, and whatever Mm -hmm. comes up, that's whether or not you succeeded in your in your attack or they succeeded against you and stuff. Hey, Fern, that's true in Vegas too. Yeah, I mean it's very it's very unfair. <laughs> you know, is D and D mean Dungeons and Dragons? Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, you blast. grew up with people that played Dungeons and Dragons. That's man. a blast from the past. Yeah. Yes, it I mean, is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Nick, what'd you do this weekend? Well, we had a family gathering up at the in Washington County at the at the homestead. And the most remarkable thing about it was the third generation of kids between, you know, four and six years old, eight of them now. And wow. yeah, it was an idyllic scene. It was beautiful. The, uh, there was an Easter egg hunt on the farm. And, uh, but the greatest fun was, of course, uh, cracking eggs over each other's head full of confetti, right? Yeah, so, and it's it's the one day of the year you're allowed to to hit your parents, and the parents are allowed to to crush them with eggs. You know, so, <laughs> uh, it was it was just great fun. Um, and so interesting to see this new generation coming along uh, and enjoying uh, nature. It was it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, they all live in the city, right? Austin right. and San Antonio and Houston. And so, Major. you know, through the eyes of a child, you can just see that it, that's a that's stepping into the looking glass, right? Um, a whole different world. But it was, a, it was marvelous. So were there people that were not into nature as much, like that you could tell they were being dragged along because, you know, Ferns, well, that's why she's asking. Ferns, well, yeah, well, that's kind of the whether or not people are need to be dragged along. The the shock and awe is still there, right? Mm. Uh, for city people, you know, we are. My wife and I always used to uh, joke that we were uh, Green Acres because we lived in the city on the weekends and went to the farm. Uh, uh, or went to the farm on the weekends, lived in the city Monday through Friday. And the only thing uh, is that we uh, were, I would say we were a little more skilled than uh, <laughs> than Oliver and his wife and Green Acres. The phone wasn't on the telephone pole outside, <laughs> but we joked about it. And uh, so that was a 40 year adventure that we had. Hmm. Uh, so this weekend, uh, I flew into Houston on Friday, like noon, and to, for the family Easter. And Friday afternoon, I went and had a cigar with Nick and a mutual friend of ours, Tom, at the cigar bar. 
And we started talking about riders' conferences. And Nick wasn't even aware, Fern, that they have riding conferences in Houston. Oh, and a lot God. of questions about it. Because next week I'm at uh, the Atlanta Independent Authors uh, Conference. And I'll be at a con riding conference just about every month from then on that, you know, probably not a couple of months in the summer, but because there's a lot of writing conferences over there. There's a lot over here, too. I was telling Nick about them. Yeah, uh, well, you know, we had to cancel the one in April for the Houston Writers Guild. We were going to do one in April. But, I mean, there's so many, Nick. There's so many. And everybody apparently decided April was the month to do theirs. Oh, yeah, everywhere. And so, you know, it became really difficult to book agents. Mm -hmm. um, for it, or we had a lot of really great small presses lined up to take um, pitches, you know, because they don't need a, an agent to go through. You can just do their acquisition editor. But we had a hard time with agents, and we also just had a hard time, you know, kind of really beefing it up. So we decided to postpone it. And what we're going to do is in the, in the fall, September. 30 through the through October 2, which is the first weekend basically in October, we're actually going to do author Palooza. And so we're going to have the agent editors uh, track, you know, for traditional publishing, um, the how-tos and all of that good stuff. We're going to have Indie Palooza built in, which is what we usually do in the fall is Indie Palooza. But we're going to have Indie Palooza is going to be part of author Palooza. And then we're going to have a whole focus on uh, the writer's craft. So we're going to have, you know, basically like three or four different tracks um, and just kind of doing everything about authorship. And um, we've already started trying to book some more agents. Um, and the one, the Jeannie Gullboy, who is from the Don, Donald Moss agency, I believe she's already online to come back with us in the fall. So she'll, she'll still be available and and of course, we'll have small presses and stuff. But I mean, it's very interesting how many uh, they their conferences there are. September 30, James, September 30 to October 2, it's going to be the author Palooza. That's what we're calling it because we're just going to merge our traditional publishing agent editor one from April with Indie Palooza. We're just going to make it all about authors. So You know, and I was telling Nick, one of the great things that I enjoy about writing conferences is mixing with other authors and just the social element of the writing conferences. And just to see where a lot of people that are trying to do some of the same things you are, some of them, uh, you know, where are they and where are their struggles? I remember in a marketing uh, seminar, at the last conference I went to where they were talking about all the things you needed to do on social media, Amy, mm -hmm. to promote your book. And uh, a young man in the audience complained, well, that sounds like another full-time job. <laughs> well, and that now that leads into like what we're talking about today on through the eyes of authors, because we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, we're doing a series on branding and establishing a, a strong online presence. We've been, we're going to do seven classes. We are, we're like, this is what, class three, four, five? Five? I don't know. I lost track. Can't be five. 
Then it's it four. I think it's four. It's four. Yeah, because we did branding in general, right? We did websites, newsletters. Yeah. And so what is what is today? Today is the 18th. See, my, my days blend together. I'll just pull it up. Yeah. We are on week four. See, I was a week off. Uh, we're doing social media and um and how to do that effectively you know beyond just buy my book because mm -hmm. that doesn't work you know and so you know people that are listening to us in the podcast and actually a great deal more people hear us during the week on the podcast nick than they do during on uh, monday when we're doing this show sure and, People listen to us driving to work. You know, I've always said other things. I guess more people listen to us driving to work or home after work than they do probably any other time. Mm -hmm. That's why we do 45 minutes. Yeah. And uh, so if you're listening to this podcast and, you know, you're working on a book or you're thinking about it and you're, not quite sure you ought to investigate wherever you live in the United States and you're listening to this. And especially over the next two months, there's going to probably be a writing conference pretty close that you can go to. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. A lot of them are coming back to in-person events. Um, some of them are still hybrid or, or virtual. Mm -hmm. um, so if, you know, if, if you have a, an option to attend virtually, you can go anywhere. You know, I mean, I know we're all kind of sick of Zoom and the virtual space, but but that does allow you to be able to go to any conference anywhere in the United States. Yeah, but right. I can tell you, I'm going to I'm going in person to all my writing conferences because I'm going to meet people to meet people. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned the podcast. I want to thank people that are listening to our podcast. We're even on Amazon Music now. And Amy's actually heard from them. Amy, where can people find us on the podcast? Um, well, you can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We're also in the top 10 on Goodreads, or not Goodreads, but Good Pods. I had Goodreads up, you guys. It's that kind of morning for me. Um, but we're also on Amazon Music as of two weeks ago. Yes, two yeah. weeks ago. So we were, we're excited about that so author talk is getting out there author stories and getting to know authors indie small press published all authors are welcome and writers are welcome and so we're just excited to get everyone's story kind of out there more people listening and getting to know these amazing authors that we get to talk to speaking of writers and amazing authors fern let's get nick talking about his books yes okay so nick yeah I understand that you are working on a series, right? And, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And so, but it's a very different kind of way of thinking about series, your, the way you're doing yours. So I am intrigued. Can you explain a little bit about like, how are you doing your series? Okay, sure. The, um, the, I, the, the idea for a series evolved out of a the experience uh, that we had, which evolved into a, a novel about that experience. And there was the way I had to do the novel, uh, The Canyon Crawl, um, created this opportunity. And so uh, 
And the Canyon Crawl, that's that's the first book that you published, right? That was the first book I published. And so it, that's a story about a, a true, it's based on a true story, an actual hike uh, by my friend uh, Jeff and I to Phantom Ranch, which is a ghost town hidden at the bottom of Grand Canyon in an old growth forest. And we just took off on, on backpacks uh, one cold morning in January um, with a lot of um, hope and naivete, mostly naivete. Uh, and the book tells the, uh, the story of how that came about uh, and what happened to us. But it's told through me. It's what happened, what was going on in my mind uh, and the transitions that uh, I was going through uh, as a result of this contact with bare naked nature and uh, things we did not expect to find. When, when we uh, go out of our environment and engage with nature, we take the measure of that scene and that drama by back home. Mm. Inevitably, that's how we take the measure of it. And it's completely different, right? Uh, and in the case of the Grand Canyon or some other uh, place in nature, it's quite dramatically different and quite shocking. And in our case, it was. But um, so I turned it into a novel, but it's faithful to the hike in every way. Uh, the people uh, that I met along the way are real people. The conversations are recreated. And where I couldn't remember them, I wrote them um, as, uh, in, the, in the manner that, that I think would have occurred uh, if I had. So is Phantom Ranch, like, is it well known as, I mean, you're mentioning in the, that it is a ghost town. Like, is it something that a lot of people visit in the Grand Canyon? I I have never been to the Grand Canyon, then, but okay. I, I think it's so, the most beautiful thing in the world from pictures. But as Russell will attest, you know, I'm not a fan of being in nature, you know, but well, um, yeah, yeah, quickly. Yeah. Phantom Ranch uh, is a hundred years old this year. And it was it was built as a tourist attraction. It was originally a campsite for Teddy Roosevelt and his Rough Rider friends, who were enthralled with Grand Canyon. And so it was nothing more than a campsite in an old growth forest. Mm. And a a woman architect was hired to build a tourist spot there a hotel mm. and the reason for that is the grand canyon was being developed by railroads at the time and from the 1890s to the 1920s and there was a race to capitalize on potential tourism people saw it as a bonanza a financial bonanza well uh <laughs> the the uh architect threw a curve and she decided to make it a ghost town type mm. architecture. So it, every stick was, was old growth wood gathered from the floor of the forest. The rocks for the walls came from the Colorado river, which was close by. 
But if you were walking through the bottom of Grand Canyon, you could walk right by Phantom Ranch and never see it. Ooh. And of course, okay. uh, one of the drum, one of the dramatic parts of our story is we don't get to the bottom of Grand Canyon until dark, and we can't see where we're going. So the so finding the Grand Canyon that's an adventure, or finding Phantom Ranch is an adventure in itself. But the answer to your question, a lot of tourists do go there, right? That, but it's almost impossible to get a reservation. So in the grand scheme of things, no, not many go there. So if you relate that to the number of people on the rim, which are in the millions, the number of people that can go to Phantom Ranch over the course of the years is measured in the dozens to hundreds. There's not that many reservations available. It's a lottery. Uh, some people spend their whole lives trying to, most people spend their whole lives trying to give a reservation and never get one. Mm. So we just got lucky. And That's very cool. Yeah. So one, of the, well, one of the interesting parts is, um, I tell the story in the book, is I first came upon Grand, Pan, Grand Canyon on a motorcycle ride, which is recounted in Riding with Aliens, the, the second book. Mm-hmm. So it was a stop in writing with aliens that got me interested into in what's at the bottom of Grand Canyon. And while I was there on the motorcycle, um, Ted Cruz was reading Green Eggs and Ham on the floor of the Senate and shutting down the national park system by shutting down the federal government. And so I'd left with the park gate hitting the back of my Harley, literally, as they shut down the park, but I spent three days there exploring it, becoming very intrigued. What I didn't know at the time was that my friend Jeff had reservations that next week at, at Phantom Ranch, and he was going to go by himself. And he had to reschedule. He rescheduled uh, uh, for January, end of January. And then calls me on New Year's Day and says, hey, I've got these reservations. Would you like to go? Just out of the blue. And so that is, that's how I got to uh, even go to Phantom Ranch. So there's a lot of weird coincidences and things that happened that teed this up. And the, the drama of the experience in the state of nature, especially the remoteness of it, and we, you know, happened to choose the two coldest days of the year, 17 degrees, um, to make this journey. Uh, and so a lot of it was just coincidence, and and that those things are explored in 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 the novel, and along with what happens to you in the state of nature when you're not prepared, and and we weren't, you know, uh, we were hikers. I've hiked all my life. I grew up in the wilderness, uh, but you're not. That doesn't prepare you for uh, danger and uh, switchbacks and 500 foot drop offs popping uh, mm. up out of nowhere. Being uh, staying in the city. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we were just <laughs> like kids, uh, excited to be going. And we did not prepare. We did not do what you're supposed to do to engage with nature in a safe manner. And so 
the book tells there, all the things that go wrong and what happens to you when you don't prepare. So there, are there like, uh, I mean, because the Grand Canyon is quite a natural feature of our of our world. So yeah. are there like some, there's training uh, that you have to go through to be able to go through it or? No, the thing about our national parks is as citizens or tourists, you are allowed to go hiking in the national parks in this country. And that's kind of their credo. That's, you know, you're, that's why they're there is for people to use. And, um, and it's unfortunate in places like Yosemite and Grand Canyon that dozens of people die every year uh, who go there and hike in those areas because they're extremely dangerous. Uh, mm. Last week, uh, uh, a, a woman died in Grand Canyon in, in a fall. And it's, it's. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know this, right? I go and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going, it's a hiking trail. And, you know, we're going to a ghost town. It's going to be great. And of course it was great in its own way, but it wasn't a garden variety hiking trail through an, you know, an arboretum. Right, right. Yeah. Very different. Very, very. Yeah. Very yeah, yeah. So Grand Canyon technically happens, you know, after the first, the, the second book that you wrote, because like chronologically, as you were saying, you know, in terms of, of the thing, riding with aliens, your motorcycle adventure sort of came first. Right. Right. But um, now it's interesting. I, I was reading the, the description and you talk about finding a thumb drive and finding some, some I guess, what, whatever was on there, right? A photo journal. And that's kind of, you know, that really piques my interest in terms of reading this book. Like, what is it that, that was on that thumb drive? And, you know, right. without giving anything away, tell us a little bit about writing with aliens and what that story is. Yeah. So my uh, my objective there, I took a different uh, posture. So in Canyon Crawl, I'm tell it's a first person narrative. I'm telling the, the the true story of our adventure, shall we call it? In writing with aliens, I took a different tack. I created a a um, a narrator who is a traveler who checks into an Albuquerque hotel room and finds a thumb drive. And on that thumb drive is a photo journal. And so this is, I present this story in a way that it's not me telling it in the first person. So it's a story within a story. So this, this traveler is actually reading you're the traveler. The reader becomes the traveler who finds this thumb drive and is reading this photo journal that's discovered. And the photo journal has no byline, mm. right? So he doesn't know who it is. Right. It's a, so that's a mystery. And then the, the other mystery that piques the traveler's interest is what's this all about? You know, it, there's something going on here. I don't know what it is. And over the course of the book, he he discovers what this is all about and and explains it at the very end which i won't do here but um that was my concept uh Fern, was to 
take a different tack as a writer and and abstract myself in the first person and have the story told by this mystery traveler who's reading a mystery photo journal. But of course the the motorcycle, the cross country motorcycle trip is an actual trip. So it's and the photos are there. The photos are proof. And then the notes uh, that were taken on that trip are heavily relied on to create the journal part of, uh, of the book. And the, it's, it's uh, presented as a postmodern tale in the sense that the, the writer is struggling with the notion of, is there a grand theme? Is there meaning to life? You know? That's, and that he's struggling with that raises the question, why are you struggling with that? Mm-hmm. And that's what gets revealed over the course of, of, of the photo journal. And the, the, the notion of alien is, is a, very much a triple entendre. Right? There's aliens. Today, we all think of aliens as uh, science fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Aliens, aliens from another world. Um, and, but there's also uh, a motorcycle gang, famous motorcycle gang called the Aliens. Oh, I didn't know that. And then the trip, the triple part of it is the notion of in the in the postmodern world, we are all alien to each other. Mm. And so the notion of alienation is explored in the in the problem, the po- the problem of modernity not being anchored to some grand theme that most of the people buy into. So we're, we're, you know, migrating, you know, away from Pisces to Aquarius into almost a post-Christian world. And these things were beginning to be noticed, you know, in the 1800s by uh, the great Russian authors and the, and the German school and, and really began to hit America in the 20s and 30s and so uh, i when i call it a postmodern tale it's it's ironic and the irony of that is exposed at the end too so that's that's the kind of the dimensions or the levels that alien is being used alien became the right word to use for many reasons there's a lot of um intersections uh, with the themes in the book and in in real life so that you know that now um there is a connection there's multiple connections between that motorcycle trip and the canyon crawl and in the third novel that i'm working on now which would be the final part of the trilogy is called uh terlingua sundown and it explores the solution to the murder that occurs in the canyon crawl, Ooh. and so that's uh, that's what I'm working on. Currently. So you you just buried that lead. I mean, you know, there's a murder in the Grand Canyon. Oh yeah, that's it's a uh, it's murder and mystery on a hike to Phantom Ranch in Grand Canyon. But um, that's all I'm going to say about mm. that. Mm. But the murder ends up being important because. Um, Murders are mysteries, right? Until they're solved. And 
Maybe they don't all have solutions. Maybe they do. But uh, that dimension of the uh, Kane and Carl will be explored in Tulinga Sundown. And then the, tr the trilogy will be complete, and I'll move on to something else. Uh, very nice. Very nice. So is there hints about for the murder mystery in Writing with Aliens in that photo journal? No, right? Because in in the in the chronology of it, um, it happened first. It happened first, right? There's a reason the the writer went on that trip. There's a reason the writer took photographs. There's a reason the writer took notes and was creating a journal. It was he was searching for answers, and the answers um, uh, that. The answers that he wanted are uh, to, to discover are uh, are what happens to at the end of that book. Now, the uh, the thread that connects the, um, for the the first two books of the trilogy are Grand Canyon, the, the mystical experience the writer has at, at Grand Canyon, and the um, well, I won't say what the other connection is because I don't want to give it away. Living. You're right. And yeah. then, yeah. So, uh, and I would say the, um, the, the themes that cut across all the novels are the meaning of life, the nature of reality, what happens when the stories we tell ourselves blow up, and, you know, what do we do about that? Uh, uh, to get our bearings again. So, uh, but through it all, it's an engagement with nature and how that changes you and uh, how unprepared we are for it. Uh, and, and the if, there's a dissociative boundary between human biology and nature. We've been emigrating out of the state of nature for 20,000 years, right? Mm -hmm. It used to be 100% of the people lived in the state of the nature. And now today it's almost 0%. There's a few hundred people in the Amazon jungle and maybe some aborigines in Australia, but that's about it. Every No one lives in the state of nature anymore. It's, a, it's an amazing journey. And so when we, when we encounter it, that dissociative boundary can break down when your homeostasis is becoming disrupted in the brain and it can lead to all kinds of uh, psychological reactions and hallucinations and experiences that some people argue are real experiences encounters with entities that you don't have in everyday life all of a sudden become real and so the, those things are explored in all three novels. So that cuts across it. It's interesting because like I was reading an article about, you know, forest bathing being a thing now of people going into the forests yeah. you know, to sort of bathe in nature kind of thing to say, let okay. nature become part of them, which is interesting as you're saying, you know, how we have evolved as a species away from being an integral part of nature interacting with it all the time right. to having pushed it out of our zone to these locations, right? Yeah. You know, part of the emigration, the migration story is 
uh, really began to accelerate when the, with the invention of language about 50,000 years ago. With the invention of language, humans could begin telling themselves stories about the world. And that those stories about the world uh, depended on the words that were used. And those words, be, so in so we had two worlds. We had this world, this representation of the world in our heads, and then we had the real world outside our heads. But we spend most of our time in the representational world. If you're honest about it, we walk around uh, inside our story, and that's a representation of the world. And occasionally, the story gets updated when you have an experience. So you. You go to a park, or you go to the mall, or you go shopping, and all this, and then there's a little updates that go on to the story that you've built about the world. But the what happens when you encounter nature is that's not you've got this representational world. You've created a story about nature, and it's not real, right? You're experience makes things real direct experience with nature is 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 reality and the world that we carry around inside our head is a representational world it's more or less accurate but there's a lot of error correction that that goes on constantly just walking around uh, uh, in the world itself constantly updating your story making sure it's right making sure and when we talk to each other Think about that. You know, we another thing that gets explored in the book is when people talk to each other, their their representational worlds are going to differ a little bit, right? So our conversations consist mostly of negotiating the terms of agreement. <laughs> okay, okay, is our is are we in agreement here on the nature of the reality, or how do we get there? You know, so that leads to a conversation and negotiation. We're all in agreement to the fact that we're all in a matrix, basically. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing is, it's plausible, right? All of a sudden, now even physicists are talking about. I go, oh god, no. mm -hmm. but those themes cut across. The, the three novels and because those are permanent themes right humans mm -hmm. uh, uh when once humanity disengaged from the natural world it was it was charting its own course into an artificial world and i don't mean a fake world i mean a world that hum, humans built for their own reasons right mm -hmm. it wasn't a given world it was the, this is a world we built for our own reasons and then language comes along and further creates an abstraction of that of that world. It's another. It's a higher layer of abstraction, and those things float around in the heads of the characters in my books. And and when they're trying to figure out what in the heck has happened to us, why are we here? How did this happen? What's really going on? And how do I get out? Right? <laughs> how do I get out of this mess and get back to where I belong? And those are themes as old as, as people uh, have been telling tales. And Jeff and I are old college friends. And so we were, uh, a lot of these themes were stuff that we had talked about all our lives. And they come back to you in moments of stress. That's the other thing. When you're going through a life-changing experience, uh, things pop into your head of their own you don't know where they how did that happen or where did this thought come from 
And so a lot of those, I had copious notes because I live logged on that hike. I'd taken the, my iPad with me and then we didn't have a signal for much of the way, but I could, but the signal, when I got the signal coming back up, I it got uploaded to a live blog. So I had lots of notes. I had uh, uh, 400 photos, lots of and copious notes to draw from. What I didn't have, Fern, on, uh, and why it took six years to come up with the, the novel uh, or the idea for it, I didn't have a theory of the case. I, I, hmm. I couldn't figure out what happened to us. I didn't, you know, what, what in the world, how did this happen? How did we even put ourselves in that position uh, to, you know, engage with uh, death, you know, a thousand times over? And what happened to our heads? You know, what what went wrong? And so it took a long time. And I I give my theory of the case in the Canyon Crawl in the afterword of the book. So, um, and but I don't I don't give away the farm, but I give my theory of the case and say, okay, I, now I know what happened. And a lot of things had to happen. There had to be developments in clinical trials of certain types of, of uh, drugs that hadn't happened yet when we did the trip. So a lot of things happened out in the world that informed me what might have happened to us and what, what likely happened to us. And and how is, all, yeah, go ahead. When is book three going to be ready? My guess is it took me a year to write the Canyon Crawl. July 15th to July 15th. So I started July 15th, uh, 2020, and it published on Amazon July 16th of 2021. It took six months to write Writing with Aliens. And I think it's going to be uh, next spring for realistically, because this, this book is a... A, a, a pure novel in the sense that it's all fiction. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, the first two novels tee this up, but they're based on a real life experience. And so the third novel is going to uh, tie up some loose ends from the first two and attempt to solve a, a murder mystery. Uh, so we'll, I'm guessing that it's it would be next spring but you never know sometimes it just comes fast. it comes it comes fast with me anyway but getting it right takes a long time right true yeah. as russell knows yeah <laughs> what yeah. do you mean by that bird nothing i don't mean a thing russell not a thing <laughs> Well, well, it's true. You know, you, you can, I can, I can write quickly, and I don't have a problem writing. But I have a problem. I, I do actually. It's all fun, so it's not work for me. But I do spend a, a lot of time making it say exactly what I want it to say. Yeah, it's always the revision and the work on on getting it right. Yeah, that that it's worth doing it right, and it's worth the work, you know. Um, and it is work. It is fun right. work, but it yeah. is work, right? right. So, right. well, we're coming close to our time. Um, Amy, do you want to? Um... Yeah, 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can Sorry, totally. I can. I can, I can, be, I can be the bad guy. It's okay. I'm the fun person at the beginning. It's okay. I'm the bad. I'm the fun person at the beginning. I'm always the bad guy because I always have to bring the conversation to an end, and I'm okay with that. I have a good. What is it? A sweet and sour side, and that totally plays out in this show, 100. But you guys, tonight on Through the Eyes of Authors, like Fern and Russell mentioned earlier today. We are talking social media this Monday and next Monday. It is a two-parter because social media cannot be crammed into an hour-long conversation without anyone getting overwhelmed. And I have some new ideas and stuff that I want to pitch to everybody as well. So make sure you join us tonight at 7 p.m. Central Time for Through the Eyes of Authors. If you need the link, just reach out. I'm more than happy to give it to you. Tonight, we're talking about taking it back to social media, being social and engaging and what platforms are best for you based on your genre that you write in and not spreading yourself too thin because that is the number one thing that any business author, entrepreneur, authorpreneur will do is spread yourself too thin trying to be everywhere at the same time doing them 100% effectively. So that is tonight. Make sure you join us. I know that there are several questions about TikTok and we're going to cover them tonight. No worries. But closing comments, questions, statements. Russell, I'm going to kick it to you. I've read both of these books. These are beautiful books that are thinking books. I really encourage you to uh, go out and look these books up. And Nick, would you uh, say one more time where people can, the names of your two books and where they can find them? Okay, fine, sure. Uh, the books are The Canyon Crawl, and writing with aliens they're both on amazon and i have an author's page on amazon so i use the amazon authors page as is my de facto author website presence uh so um that's where i am yeah yes we we need to get nick uh the presentations we talked about on branding as an author yeah i'm so interested in that and i I, amy is your call open to anyone Uh, yes you are more than welcome to be on i'll make sure that you get the link and i'll send you the recordings from the beginning you're more than welcome to be a part that's the whole point right is to help authors be able to manage a lot of this stuff on their own and give them a ton of information to do it so that's the whole point of through the eyes of authors so, Nick, thank you so much for taking time out of your Monday to come and talk to us. I know Russell, Fern, and I were super excited to get you on and get you talking, and I couldn't wait to meet you. So I just am so grateful. So thank you so much. So until next Monday, everybody, we'll catch you all next Monday at 10 a.m. See you tonight on Through the Eyes of Authors at 7. Until then, have a great week, everybody.